Well, good morning, Identity Church. Um, I know that this morning we've had uh, several people that's gotten it's gotten sick. We've we've had a few people that are out for different reasons, but you know we're we're going to praise God anyway. You know we just keep moving, and when we keep moving, we're just going to have life. You know that that in life there are times where you know sickness comes against us. But we, we confess the word anyway. I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. That's something I tell myself every single day. You know why I tell myself that? It's because I actually get up every day and go, I can't do it today. How many people knows that if you woke up every single day and you said to yourself, I can't do it today, you probably wouldn't do it, right? Because there's going to be a point in time where... There's not going to be any reason to do it. You know, um, most people, they get up, they go to work, they, they come home, they have family things, they, they do all this stuff. I know that uh, we were talking about, um, you know, my son plays lacrosse. Um, you know, I know that Harper Grace has been playing soccer and she's doing gymnastics and she's doing all this stuff. When you got kids, they kind of keep you going right? They, they kind of make you go do stuff because you're, you're doing something every single day. In fact, Heather and I was talking about that. We were talking about how there seems to be every single day something that I could get myself into, I could get my kids into. You know that that, that keeps certain people going. Well, then after you don't have kids anymore, and Heather and I are staring down the barrel of that. I mean, most of you know, like Kaylee and Micah, they're off doing their thing. So I saw I saw Kaylee on Friday. I probably won't see her for another week or two. Well, you know, there's going to be a day when Caleb, he's going to go do his thing. He, he's, he may or may not stay here. He may or may go do something else entirely. Do you know that the Lord is telling me that there's still something after that? I'm going to say that again. <laughs> There's grandkids. Well, do you know that grandkids are a good thing? But there's something for you. You know, we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk a little bit about revival today. I may not teach all of the stuff. I, my, the Lord's really been, this morning, kind of dealing with me about a couple other things. But I may, I may hit on some of these points. But one of the things that I wanted that the Lord's been impressing upon my heart over the last few weeks after seeing like the Asbury revivals and, you know, Sanford and, and all these other colleges. We're seeing Lee University. Texas A&M is having revival. These things are going on. And you know what's happening? Is that there's young people in colleges that are looking for Jesus. Let me ask you something. How young do y'all feel? You feel young? There's days I don't feel too young. (laughs) I'm 45. I'm sitting there going, I'm going, I'm going. Well, not you, Vicky, me. I'm talking about me. You know, I'm sitting here at 45 years old going, what is next? And see, the Lord keeps telling me, that there's a revival coming, that there's an awakening that is coming. And, I, and I've, been, 
I've been waiting for this awakening. I've been waiting for it to come. You know when he told me about this? He told me about this in 2011. In 2011, I, this was back when I used to jog. I used to go in the mornings and I would jog every single morning. Well, I'm running and I'm about 33 years old. My, you know, the Lord tells me to go to Karis Bible College. And, and I was like, okay, well, you're going to have, we're going to have to do something about that because the only one is like in Atlanta or I'd have to go to Colorado or whatever. And, you know, as a part of going through that sort of a what is next moment, it was a transitional moment for me. The Lord told me that there is going to be a great awakening. Well, you know, in our timing, we think of a great awakening or if the Lord tells you something, you think it's going to happen next week. Well, it was 2011 when this happened, and we still haven't had the Great Awakening. Now, we've had some revivals, that Asbury and all these other things, and they're great. But do you know that the Great Awakening causes change both in people and in our, in our culture? Do you know that the Great Awakenings that we've had in the past have completely reformed things? They've created opportunities to make great changes that was godly changes. Do you know that in every single thing that I have found in, in studying about the Great Awakenings, do you know that there are so many of these Great Awakenings that you, you go back and you think to yourself, well, maybe I wasn't a part of that or maybe my family wasn't a part of it because... It was things that you're, you're like, I, don't, I didn't even know that it was going on. Like, how many people re- knew about Brownsville? I know that. So, did anybody know about Brownsville Revival back in the late 90s? So, I, there's, only, there's three. If Heather was here, there would be four. Do you know that, that that revival sparked a revival at Victor Christian Fellowship? We had revivals. It was going on with different denomina- uh, I call it denominational churches, word of faith. And we were having these, these things that was happening. I, I was brand new to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was brand new to all of that. And we start having these revivals and, and things are breaking out. Do you know that it was amazing it was absolutely life-changing for me because I never seen anything like it. You would be in this building, praise and worship would start, and people would be in there for four and five and six hours, and you didn't even know you were there that long. I mean, it would just be so, like the power of God would be on you. It would be like a blanket. It'd be like if you were if you were at home right now with your blanket on. I know some of y'all are probably cold, but you know, but if you if you had your blanket on, you're watching a movie and you watch the movie and you thought, oh, I could watch another one, and I'm just binging on Netflix or on whatever it is. Do you know that we binged for weeks and weeks and weeks on the Holy Spirit? It was amazing. We had standing room only. People were waiting outside trying to get in. 
And see, there are people all over the world that didn't even know that was happening. See, back in the 1920s era, Azusa Street was going on and they had, they had to call out the, the fire department because the fire of the Holy Spirit was running around the outside of the building. They thought it was on fire. You can go read this stuff. I'm not making it up. This is the stuff that it's, it's been well documented. There were people, I think it was Amy Simplin McPherson, that she stopped in the middle of preaching. And she was there for what, three days? She was frozen for three days. And people just came in. And they said that the, the power of the Holy Spirit would, would be on them. They would praise and worship and worship and praise. And guess what? She's in the middle of talking about this. And all of a sudden she goes, she just goes in the, she finishes up her sentence. And she closes out the service after three days. Now, you may be going, Dusty, I've never seen anything like this. I, I don't understand it. it I've got, we, we've got people who have been a part of that. But do you know that in every single time we've had, that every single time we've had a, um, a revival, an awakening, something of that nature, do you know that there's always been a spark of people saying, I want more of who God is? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of get into this because we're going to see that it actually changed our nation. The great awakenings that you've seen in the past. So the idea of a, of a great awakening is of an awakening implies a slumber or passivity during a secular or less religious times. So essentially what happened was is that people get complacent. You know, people get complacent of, of different things. People get complacent of, you know, well, I'm just living my life. How many people, when I was talking to you a few minutes ago about, well, you know, I, I had to take my kids to the soccer and I had to go take my kids, you know, all these things. I mean, my, my aunt right now, because my mom and dad have, um, you know, are sick. My dad was going to take my son down. My aunt's taking uh, Caleb up to James Clemens, which is up in Madison County. Well, you know, if this had been Saturday, I'd have spent all day Saturday going and doing lacrosse. Well, you know, during these times, during the times that, that we have kids and we have a job and we have all this other stuff, you know that we become complacent. Now, how many people know that we, we, all, we all go, well, you know, when I hit about 30, time started flying by, right? How many people have, have felt like, you know, oh, the older I get, the faster time is moving? Do you know that that's, that's a part of complacency? That's a part of the I'm doing my job. I'm doing everything over and over again, and it just clicks through. There was a, a, a movie years ago called Click. And, and basically it was about a man that he had gotten this magical remote control. Okay. And it'd be like the magical, if this was a magical remote control and he would, he would hit the fast forward button and he would fast forward through, Oh, I, I'm, 
I made it from being a peon at my company to now I'm up in senior management. And he would just keep fast-forwarding his life over and over and over again. Well, do you know that in all of those cases that he did that, he started realizing that his life was going away. That he didn't have the good times and he didn't have the bad times. You know that complacency basically means that I'm asleep. Uh, I'm just driving down the road. I, I go to work. It takes me 45 minutes to go to work. It takes me 45 minutes to get home. So I just I'll, I tune out. You know, it's been really bad because there's been times in my life where I'm just driving down the road, and I show up in my I show up in my driveway. I'm coming back home from work, and I was like, "How did I get here? How many people's had that happen to you?" You know, most of the time when things like this happen. We're in a complacent place. We're waiting for the next thing to happen. And see, a lot of times we need an awakening. And that's what happened to me back in 2011. Is that the Lord started showing me that there's going to be a great awakening. That I need to go to to Bible college. I need to go do these things. Now that was for Dusty. I'm not saying y'all go to Bible college. Which I think would be great. Because I got 16 hours of teaching on the Word and everything a week. It was amazing. But even at that, what happened was is I went from being in a complacent place where I'm coaching baseball and I'm doing all these other things to a place to where I started going, there is more. I started to wake up. I started having an idea about what God wanted for me in my life and wanted for my family and wanted me to go to the next place. So an awakening is something that is going to cause change in your life. So the first great awakening happened between the 1730s and the 1740s. This awakening was what brought about what I call, what what was called our revolution. In fact, Nathan O'Hatch, which was the president of Wake Forest University, he actually argued that the evangelistic movement of the 1740s is what brought about the idealisms about freedom, about freedom of press. See, because all you got was whatever the king wanted you to have, right? How many people know that if if you were part of England back in the 1740s, 1750s, 1760s, all the way up until the revolution, it was whatever the king wanted you to know about. He would he didn't want you to know about that you were being, you know, oppressed or or if you had some sort of uh, you know, or you were paying more taxes. How about that? King was like, hey, I want to go and conquer somewhere else, so I'm going to take more taxes from the people. Well, do you know that there was nobody in the, in the press because, that was going to come against the king? Do you know that the actual evangelistic revolution brought about people in the ministry that started telling the truth, that started bringing about an idea about what freedom actually looked like from the word of God? Do you know that our whole system was built on this evangelistic idealism based upon the Word of God? So when we wrote our Declaration of Independence, 
It was based on the Word of God. It wasn't based on, well, these are just some ideas that we have. No, this was an actual movement that happened 30 or 40 years before. Now, I want you to understand something. Whatever happens now is going to affect the next generation. So I only have like one young person here. Nope, Brock, you're not a young person. Okay, I'll give it for the rest of y'all. Brock, you're old. But anyway, we... Whatever's going to happen now will affect the next generation. So what's affecting this generation? You know, I ask that question because I know some of the things that happened back in the, in, in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. And we're seeing it have an effect on our young people nowadays. See, our young people need, they need a, an evangelistic revival they need to be able to see something that will cause the next generation to be better than themselves you know why you know why i see a lot of the things that has affected this generation is because my generation and even some of the people in the generation before was very um, selfish i'll just use that do you know that that when we start seeing how we put into the next generation They're going to be 10 times what we are. Now, I believe all y'all were the greatest of the generations that was there. And y'all were teaching your kids and you did all that kind of stuff. But I will tell you this. There are societal things that are teaching your kids and your grandkids every single day. Every single day. You know that if you if you went and asked most kids, they don't even understand history. They don't understand where they come from. They don't even understand about God because we don't even take them to church anymore. We don't even get them into a place to where they can say, what is this? And I want to make a decision. They've already had it made for them because they go into history class or they go into biology. And the world is teaching them that there is no God every single day. There is no God. You know, um, I feel like I'm pretty educated. I have a computer engineering degree, a master's in computer engineering, took a lot of sciences. Do you know that all the things that we say are true and factual about evolution and about the, the Big Bang Theory and about all this other stuff, you, it, it's not science. It, it is religion. It's a belief system. Do you know that in every single way that science says that you have to you have to observe it and you have to test it in order for it to become a fact? Well, you can't test evolution. There's no, you know, half human, half ape type things running around. I've seen some people that were pretty hairy, but you know, I've never I've never seen a half human and a half ape running around. Do you know that in every single one of these Things that we have in our society, they're wanting to pull kids away from God and not bring them to God. And see, this is what ended up happening, I think, with the second and third great awakenings. The second great awakening actually brought about the movement of temperance, uh, the abolitionists, things like slavery, doing away with slavery, women's rights. Do you know that 
It was actually people in the church that were wanting women to vote. That were wanting to get slavery out of there. It had been... So, so you know the, great awake, the first Great Awakening was 1730s to the 1740s. Well, then there was these... All these things that came about in England... You know, Amazing Grace was actually a song that was written in the set, like the 1770s that was written for a, the abolitionists of slavery. Do you know that, that that then carried on and we had the second great awakening. We had these, these times where it was like, oh, well, we, we're talking about it. We're talking about what needs to happen next. And God is moving and he's bringing us to this next place. And guess what happens? We end up having the Civil War. We end up having the things that bring about, you know, women's rights and, and, and slavery being taken away. You know, the Third Great Awakening, which was the 1850s through the 1900s. Do you know that this is what created all the denominations that we have out here? There were no Baptists and and Methodists the way that we know them right now, especially the Southern Baptist, especially the Methodists the way that we had had it. John Wesley was running around. He had become an, he was Anglican. And he went out and he started doing missionary work and he created a Wesleyan church. That turned into the Methodists and it turned into the Wesleyans and it turned into all these different denominations. Do you know that all of that brought about what we know today is the missionary works? People didn't go out and do missionary type works before. They didn't go to other countries and preach the gospel the way that they're doing today. And it all started because of this second great awakening. Well, I'm sorry, the third great awakening. This one's the one that's a little bit better. And I'm just giving you guys history. Is that okay? I just want you to know because there's not a lot of people that know about this stuff. No one really has ever, they don't teach this in school. You got to go and you got to research this out. But the fourth great awakening, and this is the one that I would say my, my mother and father-in-law, these people right here, I mean, they got touched by this particular awakening. In fact, my father-in-law was a, a Baptist music minister in a small church over, like, in Minor. And you went to a full gospel businessmen's meeting, right? Well, do you know that in the middle of all these full gospel businessmen meetings and all that, they were having little bitty revivals. People were coming to know Jesus in such a much stronger way. They were flowing in the Holy Spirit. They were knowing Him more. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I was a kid, I would go to a church and you'd sing your two or three hymns. And you would be done. And then they would preach for 20 or 30 minutes and then you would go try to beat the other denominations to the restaurant. That was, that was the game, right? Well, do you know that in every single one of these societal things that we had, there was no power in it? Because the Holy Spirit is the person that teaches us. You know, I can sit up here and I give you, I give you facts and I give you some, some knowledge. But do you know that wisdom comes through the Holy Spirit? And see, we have to, 
we have to have the Word and we have to have the Spirit. Now, I loved how it was put. Hagen used to say that if you have too much Word, you dry up. You have too much Spirit and you blow up. You put them together and you grow up. You know, that's the way that this works. Is that I have to know the Holy Spirit enough in order to be able to get to know who God is. I can't just know about God. Like if I just said, well, God, well, God's a powerful being and he's real strong and he created everything. Wow, y'all, y'all would be just, that was just power, right? No, no, no. What power would be is if we started having praise and worship and everybody said, I want to know more about God and I'm going to get closer to God and you let God reveal himself to you personally. Because I can lead you to the road, but I can't get you down it. You know that there's been many a times in my life where I have been, I've been stepped away. I've, I've not been awake. And you know, there's been times where the Lord comes back and goes, are you going you gonna to walk down this road with me? Are you going to get to know me more? You know that the more I get to know him, the less my problems make any sense. Do you know that I start actually, you know, how, how many people has, has ugly cried over your situations? Ugly cried? Yeah. It's like, oh, woe is me. This is the worst thing ever. You know, have you ever actually told somebody about your problem and they look at you like, huh? Do you know why? Because most people, you walk up and you go, well, my car broke down the other day. And they're going, well, my car's broke down before. My, oh, my, my air conditioner went out. Okay, well, my air conditioner's went out. There's nothing that's going to happen to you that other people are not going to try to one-up you over. I'm just going to be, I'm being honest here. Do you want me to lie to you and go, well, everybody... You're, all your circumstances are different. No, you're not going through anything else. When God sees your problem, He doesn't go, Holy Spirit and Jesus, I've got to get you all together. I've never seen this before. We've got we to work on that. We've got to work on Vicky's problem because I've never seen Vicky's problem. Do you know that everybody's problem is bigger to you than it's going to be to everybody else? And you know, there's nothing that is unsurmountable to God. And the more I get to know Him, and the more I get to see how awesome He is, do you know that my circumstances start going away? I start having less and less circumstances. Well, the effect of circumstances. Circumstances still come, but the effect of them, it's like, eh, have you ever had something bad happen to you and you just go, eh, all right, no, I got a couple head shakes. It's like something bad happens to me and you're like, oh, I'm just going to ugly cry all over it. Well, you know, the thing is, is that the more you get to know who he is, the less your circumstance actually makes any sense to you. There was a couple weeks ago. It was a couple weeks ago that I had uh, an incident at work. Now, this incident at work had happened to me before. 
And when it had happened to me before, I completely and totally did the wrong things. I got mad. I told people off. I did all that kind of stuff. And this, but a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, the same thing happened. Somebody was, somebody was down in me. Somebody was, was, was saying the wrong things about me. And you know, I had a Jesus moment. Have you ever had a Jesus moment? Where, where you go, where Jesus was standing in front of the Sanhedrin and he didn't say anything. They were talking bad about him. They were calling him everything. They were calling him the devil. They were calling him all kinds of things. And Jesus just stood there and was like, y'all done? You know, I had a Jesus moment. I was just like Jesus in that situation. And you know why? It's because I'd been preparing my heart. Now, I didn't know any of that was going to happen. I didn't know that somebody was going to try to, you know, basically stab me in the back at work. But you know that I just stood there and people were talking bad about me behind my back. And I never thought I'm going to go find these people. I'm going to go set it right you know that when I did that, then Jesus not only came out of me, but the Holy Spirit worked in every single way. And I came out better. Do you know why? It's because I was having a relationship with Jesus and not a relationship with myself. A relationship with yourself is I look inward and I go, well, how dare they? How dare they talk about me? I'm going to go find them. I'm going to tell them what I think of them. Well, guess what? Nobody gives a flying rat's patoot about your problem. Sorry. They try. They, they actually teach us how to have empathy. But you know, the first thing you go and you talk to somebody about your problem, they're going to go... Sounds just like any other problem that I have on a day-to-day basis. You know, the Holy Spirit, when we are in the midst of revival with Him and an awakening with Him, He won't even, it, it won't even phase you. You just go, eh. You know, that was the thing about Jesus is He was so into God that it didn't matter. They put Him on a cross, it didn't matter. And see, that's one of the reasons why I think this fourth great awakening was such a big deal is because in that charismatic movement, it caused all kinds of things. I went from somebody who I didn't know the Holy Spirit to somebody that, that because of my in-laws and because of the church that I was attending and because of my wife and their upbringing in this charismatic movement, it rubbed off on me. I got baptism. Baptizing the Holy Spirit. I got to see all kinds of cool stuff. And you know what happened? Is that it changed my mind about who God was and where, what He was wanting to do for me here. How many people here want God to do something for you here? Everybody? How many people want to do something for God here? Well, I'm going to tell you straight up. You're going to go to heaven one day and it's going to be great but it's not going to be like here things are going to be perfect in heaven 
Do you know that God wants to do something here? He wants to do something with you. Do you know he's got a call on your life? God has a call on your life. He does. See, God's going God's to pick up the phone one day and he's going to go, Hey, would you? And you can either say yes or no. Do you know that an awakening is not just a movement? An awakening is, is something that happens to you. You can have revival in the midst of hell. Revival will make things become less selfish, self-centered. One of the things about this uh, Jesus movement, I don't know, back in the day, uh, back in the day there was this song called Jesus Freak. You know, what would people think if they thought that I was a Jesus freak? And DC Talk was the, the people who did it. That song came out right as I was like getting, I, people called it, I was backslid or whatever, because I'd been saved when I was younger. But that came in, that was like a, that was like a moniker song. That was like a, I put my, my stake in the ground. And you know, out of all of that, we had some awesome, awesome things that happened in our youth groups. We saw kids getting saved and set free. Now, some of them went up, have went back out to the world. But do you know that I look at my brother-in-law? I look at Heather and I. I look at all of these kids that was out there, Jim and, uh, Jim and Kelly McCann. They're all in the ministry. They're doing awesome things. But this particular movement was a movement that, that brought about an evangelistic understanding of who the Holy Spirit was. This was more about people getting to know the Holy Spirit than it was about just denominations and, and missionary work and things like that. You know, missionary work and all this other stuff will come if you know who the Holy Spirit is. Your call, where all of a sudden he says, pick up the phone, we're going we're gonna to go down here and we're going to talk to such and such, that's missionary work. God will call you to go do things in your own community that you never thought about. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a scripture here. Because Jesus himself had an awakening. He had a feeling, if you will. John chapter 1 verses 32 through 34 says, And John bore witness, that means he saw it happen. He said, I saw the Spirit descend like from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. And, and I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom, this, upon whom you see this Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have testified that this is the Son of God. I want, to, I want to take you back here where it says that the Spirit is descending on him and it remained on him. This word right here, remaining, means uh, it's Minoah. It means to dwell in or to live in. It means that Jesus himself 
The Holy Spirit came upon him and lived in him. Now, you, let me tell you, does anybody know the significance of that? Like, does anybody understand why that's important? Do you know that Jesus did not come to the earth and have anything you didn't have? He came as a man and he lived as a man and he flowed in the Holy Spirit. Now, some people may go, well, Jesus, the moment he was born, he was, you know, he had the the power. Well, do you know that even in Genesis, this is not even true. Do you know that God said, let there be light. God said, make the heavens and the earth. God said, and Jesus administrated it, and the Holy Spirit went and did it. Because the Holy Spirit was the one that was floating across the deeps where there was nothing. And the Holy Spirit went out because that's what His job is. See, the Holy Spirit is the one that actually goes out like our body. See, when I teach spirit, soul, and body, God is the centermost part of everything. He is the power from which everything flows. But Jesus himself is a part. He is the very word of God. He's the very creative part of God. And the Holy Spirit himself is the body of God. Now, I say it that way because it's a lot easier for you to understand That the Holy Spirit's the one that has been sent to actually be with us. So the very power of God came upon Jesus, lived in Jesus, so that he could flow and he could work. Now, the significance of that is, is because the same thing happens to us. See, Jesus didn't want to just come and say, well, I'm Jesus and I'm special No, Jesus came and he said, I am making you a part of the family and I'm showing you what I can do because when he said, these works I do and greater works shall you do. He didn't say that because he was like, well, I'm special and you've got got nothing. No, he said, all authority and power has the Father been given unto me and this power and authority, I tell you to go out in the name of Jesus. That means that, you know, if I had a checkbook and it had $100 in it and I wrote you a check, how much money could you get? $100. Well, you know, Jesus came out and said, hey, I wrote a promise note, promissory note, and it's called the Holy Spirit. And all you got to do is just put how much you want in in the line. I've signed my name to. See, this is important because if you believe Jesus was, was just God and, and, he, and he was just working by himself, well, you don't understand why he sent the Holy Spirit and he told his disciples why the Holy Spirit was so important. He said, it's better that I go and I send the promise of the Holy Spirit to you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was just on one person. Jesus was just one man. I heard we we were doing the uh, we were doing the the Holy Spirit series, um, and they were doing the the mathematics about if you wanted to go have a touch from God, if you wanted to go to Jesus, they said it would take over 
I think it was what, almost 200 years if everybody went to go see Jesus and have one minute with Jesus? Out of the 7 billion people that we have on the planet? It means you're never going to go see Jesus, okay? But see, God had Jesus come and he put his blood on the mercy seat and you got saved... And when you got saved, he sent the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit now dwells on the inside of you. And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that means that we're overflowing. Now I'm going to read this one last one here because I want you to understand. And then I'm going to close this out here. An awakening occurs when we have all believed for something and are in the same place. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, it says, When the day of Pentecost, so this was like 47 days after Jesus rose from the dead, that Pentecost happened. It's 50 days from Passover when it had fully come. They were all in one accord in one place. So the disciples you knew had a car, right? It was a Honda Accord. So they all were in this one Honda Accord in one place. See, that one always dies. I don't know why, but... It doesn't go very far. See, even y'all are like, what did you just say? It says they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as fire. And one set upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from many nations under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because one had heard someone speaking in tongues in his own language. See, what I want you to understand is, is that when these people had been sitting there for 47 days, okay, They've been praying and going, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? And all of a sudden, one day on Pentecost, it was like, <laughs> and the Holy Spirit shows up. Do you know that, that they had a revival? And in the midst of this revival, they started prophesying in different languages. Now, I'm going to tell you, all the people that was out there that was in the upper room, all of these people that were in the upper room did not know how to speak all of these different languages. Like, um, in fact, it says, you know, uh, Parthians and Medes and uh, Elamites and Mesopotamian and Judean. And I mean, all of these people were there. They were speaking in a language of God and these people were hearing it being prophesied about the goodness of God. Do you know that revival will cross boundaries? You know, when revival happens, you know, we were actually at a place, um, I think this was Lee Berger's church. He was, he was prophesying in tongues and there was somebody that was, said they heard perfect Spanish. And that he was prophesying the goodness of God. And it was some things for him. You know that when there's barriers, God's going to open up a door. You know that when we have opportunities to create 
in our own lives the ability to, to have awakenings and revivals, when we start getting a little bit, ah, oh, I'm just down today. You know, you can have a revival in the midst of your house. Turn on some praise and worship. You can just praise God. And you can have a mini revival right there in your house. But see, this is a little bit different. Because this is just like those awakenings. This started to change the world. This right here, this one moment when Jesus told them to go to the upper room and wait for him. And this would be what was going to happen. It changed the world. You had people from all over the world that was sitting there listening to the goodness of God that was being prophesied. They saw it. They were confused by it. You know that when they were confused by this thing, they got, it it completely revolutionized the way that they thought about who God was. Some of them may have been, some of them may have had other false gods. Because it says down here that there was visitors from Rome. I mean, they had so many gods that Paul actually, when he went to Mars Hill, he pointed out the God, the the God that is unknown was, was written on one of these stones. And he goes, this is the God I'm going to tell you about. See, what I want you to know is, is that revival starts things. Revival changes things. Revival changes the way you think about things. In fact, it says here in verse 10, and it, and it says, We hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocked, saying, They're full of new wine. These people are drunk. They're walking around. Uh. Well, you know, one of the things that I think that we all need to understand is that when God is talking to you, you need to act like a drunk person. Go find you a place to go sit down. And you go and listen to God. In fact, it says right here in Acts 2.15, Peter gets up and says, For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third day, an hour of the day, which basically means that from about 7 to about 9 o'clock, 9 or 10 o'clock was, was this time frame. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall till dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. What are you listening to God for? Young men, old men, young women. Old women. What are you listening to God for? What are you prophesying into this next generation? See, I want you to understand that that the prophecies that come out of this generation will affect the next one. And by the way, if you're one of these people who say the women can't hear the Holy Spirit, well then you didn't let God in on that because Joel had prophesied that a thousand years before and it shows up right here in Acts chapter 2 
Women and men both have a call upon their life. Women and men both can go out and they can be a changer and a prophesier to this generation. And it says in verse 19, And I will show the wonders in heaven and signs above in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, that puts a real big burden on people that say, well, you got to do a lot of works and you got to do a bunch of stuff in order to be saved. No, no, no. It says right here in this last verse, verse 21, it says, and it shall come to pass. It came to pass at this point. This was when the passing happened. They were all standing still and all of a sudden it just came to pass. It came, came right past them. And it says, now if you just say, Lord, guess what? I just got saved. If I wasn't saved, all I had to do is, Lord. You know, Andrew Womack, he talked about how he would preached and he was like saying, he was preaching on this very verse. And these people, that, this guy comes in, he's drunk. And the guy, he's standing back there. And the moment he preached this, the guy just goes, Lord. Well, he goes back and he's like, oh, we're at the very end. I'm going to get him to come down. We're going to pray for him. We're going to get him saved. You know, he, he keeps doing that. Well, the guy just is standing in his seat and he goes, Lord. And he goes, well, no, I'm going to call you all up. Anybody who wants to get saved, come on up. So the guy goes, Lord. Well, then he closes out the service and he goes back and he talks to this drunk. And he asked the drunk, he said, why didn't you come up and get saved? And he goes, well, you said if I call upon the name of the Lord, I said it three times. What do you want me to do? Well, you know what? That's the thing. We should be calling upon the name of the Lord. We should be standing in an office of I'm listening to the Holy Spirit and I'm prophesying. You know, sometimes that looks that looks like, you know, there's a big service and there's people and they're do, you know, we're, we're having praise and worship. We're doing all kinds of stuff. It's like the angels are singing. Oh, but you know what? You could be at home and you're praying and you're, you're, you're praising God in worship time. And all of a sudden your son or your daughter comes in and they're like, man, I just don't think I'm ever going to do anything good in my life. And the spirit of the Lord comes up on the inside of you and the word comes up and Philippians 4.13 pops out of your mouth and says, you can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. You just prophesied to a nation. You just prophesied to a generation. You know, I want to see revival in the church I want to see revival outside the church. I want people in every single household when somebody goes, you're not, I feel like I'm nothing and I feel like I'm not going to be anything. When I feel like there's not going to be anything that's going to be good for me, that we have a prophesying nation that is coming in and saying, this is what God is saying about you. You need to be that nation. You need to tell the people that are in your life. You need to prophesy to them. You need to tell them that they can do all things. That God has a plan for them. Plans to prosper them and give them a hope and a future. 
You know what I love about uh, Jeremiah 29? Is that if you read Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, you know, I have these plans, plans to prosper you, give you a hope and a future. But no one wants to go and read Jeremiah 1 through 10, where it says, you know, and I, the Lord thy God, have taken you out of Israel and brought you into Babylon. And because of this, I want you to prosper. And I want you to have a YouTube channel and a TikTok channel. And I want you to, I, I want you to never have to work hard in your life. Y- y'all read those scriptures? No, because it's not in there. You know what it does say? It says, I want you to have husbands and wives and I want you to have houses and jobs and I want you to build and I want you to multiply and I want you to go into the world and I want you to have a good life because the TikToks and the, and the, and the YouTubes and the, all the other stuff, that stuff's going to go away one day. All the other stuff's going to go away. All the fame and the fortune and, and all that stuff's going to go away. Oh, if you think you look good today, well, guess what? You get 45 and you don't look as good anymore. In fact, even when I was 25, I couldn't have, I couldn't have turned a cheek in order to get any dollars. I'm just going to tell you straight up. But, but this is what I want you to understand is that God has a plan. But see, we need to know his word and we need to know the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will bring about revival in your heart and in your home so that you can prophesy to the next nation, to the next generation. Amen. Matt, come on up here. You know, one of the things that God has been telling me here lately is that he is calling people to revival in their own hearts in order to put revival into other people's hearts. You know that that revival doesn't have to be this Asbury. I don't I don't know if everybody's like looked at it, but I think they even stopped it because it was overwhelming their city. But there was so many people that was looking for a touch from heaven. There was so many people that was looking for a touch from heaven that they 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 overwhelmed Asbury College. I had a boss that was up there and his wife had went to Asbury College and he was actually working security in like the door and they were allowing the students to come in. They were they were wanting the main auditorium to be for just that. And he turned away over 10,000 people a day. You know, the problem is, is that Asbury College is one place. Lee College is only one place. Sanford's only one place. Texas A&M is only one place that's having this. You know, we can have revival right here. We can have revival in your house. We can have revival in each and every one of these seats. You know, all we have to do is we have to just look at the Lord and say, Lord, revive me, awaken me. Everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. Father, I'm just, I'm going to, 
I'm going to pray for you guys. I want you guys to meditate on these things that we've talked about. But I also, I'm going to pray a specific prayer for this group that, and the people that are listening to me, that we have a revival, an awakening in our hearts, that we have a hunger for God more than we've ever had it before. So that not just because it's going to be a good thing for us, but because it's going to carry the next generation. It's going to be the spark that's going to ignite the ability for the next generation to know who the Holy Spirit is, who Jesus is, and who God the Father is. So Father, I just pray over each and every person. I thank you, dear Lord, that in Jesus' name, that you are just putting a fire in their hearts, Father. I pray in Jesus' name that they are going to to be lifted up this week. That they're going to take some time and they're going to listen to praise and worship. And they're going to let the Holy Spirit come in and just talk to them. That they're going to revive in who He is and and where He's wanting to take this nation. I thank you, Father, that revival and great awakenings, that they are great, but they need to happen in each and every one of us so that we can be a change to this nation and to this society. And Father, we just thank you, dear Lord, that you are bringing about good things for each and every person. I pray in Jesus' name that this week that there's people that cross their paths that they can tell the goodness of God to so that they can ignite revival in those people. And Father, I just thank you that there is going to be that there's going to be testimony after testimony after testimony that we're going to expect that good things are going to happen, that we're going to expect to see people's lives changed, that people are going to, that people are going to go to the next level in their life, that they're going to have an awakening in a way that they've never had before. Father, I just thank you for that. Right now, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, if you've never accepted Jesus, but you want to today, please raise your hand. I would love to be able to pray for you. Amen. Amen. And I, I put this out to the people that may be watching us online. If you don't know Jesus Christ, please send us a message via Facebook. and I would love to talk with you. If you need prayer for anything, when I close this out, I'll be down at the front. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We just thank you, dear Lord, for for your goodness and your mercy. And I thank you, Holy Spirit. You're going to make yourself uh, alive to us and that we're going to be able to see the goodness and the workings of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I just thank you that you are bringing about revival in each and every one of our hearts. I pray as they go that they're going to have uh, good things happen to them. And we just praise you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You're dismissed.